Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Bless you. You may be seated. And uh, again, it's so good to see everybody here tonight. Why don't you do this? Invite folks to come Sunday, but uh, if you uh, if you can, if, if you want to use the telephone or email somebody or call them uh, or go by their house, somebody that should be here on Sunday, invite them. We've got church folks who uh, sometimes forget what time and what day we have church on. Well, some of you got that. Uh, you know, somebody said something the other day, what? I wish we could get everybody there on Sunday in the same service. And uh, I said, yeah, but because human nature being what it is, that really never happens, almost never. And that's that way in every church on the planet, at least in America. Um, just it's that way. I think maybe Easter is probably the most attended Sunday. Uh, historically, and you might get 98 or 99 percent, but it seems like we never can get 100. I'd like to see that rule broken. Amen. So you invite somebody this week. That's your that's your challenge. Invite somebody that ought to be here, maybe that wasn't here last Sunday or hadn't been here in a while, and ask them to come. Say, we need you. You need us, and we all need the Lord. This is part two tonight. Uh, a study I began last Wednesday night, and Lord willing, we're going to finish it tonight uh, if we have time. And the subject is Satan's strategy. Satan's strategy, much like those who are experts, uh, champions at the game of chess. How many here tonight, a show of hands, have ever played the game of chess or tried to play? Uh, amen. I, I never have been really good at it. I've enjoyed it. My son-in-law tends to beat me every time we play. Uh, and, and when he and married our daughter, I took chess back up, or at least a little bit. I used to play it a lot when I was young, but never have really been good at it because I, I, I think I probably never took the time to read the books and study and learn how to develop a winning strategy. Strategy is simply a, a set of plans, uh, policies, procedure, uh, uh, what you decide you're going to do when you're going to try to accomplish something. Now, the strategy that you have for making your way to Walmart and getting through all you have to go through when you go to Walmart or Kroger uh, to obtain what you need there every week or two weeks or however often you go, that strategy is going to be totally different from the strategy that a general is going to use on the battlefield. And that's true for our arch enemy, God's arch enemy, the devil. And we started out last night by uh, making a statement. There are at least uh, four people in the Bible that the devil attacked specifically. Uh, he appeared on the scene in person. We know and understand that the devil doesn't do all of his own dirty work. He's got a whole army of fallen angels, demons, they're called, to do his bidding and to fight his war uh, against God and God's people. But uh, in the Bible, there were at least these four times when he appeared personally to do the fighting, to do the tempting, to do his dirty deeds. And we talked about the first one last week, which was Eve. That's right. He did personally appear to her. Now, uh, these next three people that we're going to discuss, I mentioned them last week. It, the Bible doesn't say that he actually conversed with them like he did Eve, but he did appear on the scene personally and uh, went to work. So we're going to uh, go to those three tonight. Remember, Eve, he appeared as uh, the deceiver to her. And... Uh, the target that he had in mind was her mind, and the weapon that he used was, somebody tell me what that was, four-letter word. Say it out loud. Lies. Do we need to teach last Wednesday night all over again? Okay, lies. You got to know that the devil will lie to you. Okay, don't forget that. 
uh, and his purpose for attacking in that way and, and all his purposes have to do with, again, the will of God in your life. And he'll attack you with deceit, lies, uh, lying to you to get you uh, or to prey upon your ignorance of the will of God. Not knowing what will, God's will is can hurt you. Uh, and your defense, the tactic, the weapon that you use against his attack is somebody said it. Yes, the word. The word of God. So now we're going to go to Job, whom the devil appeared in his life as a destroyer. Let's go to Job 2, verse 1, and read. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? And still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Verse 4, so Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. I want you to watch this. The Lord said to Satan, you can't have him the way you want to have him right now. Satan said, skin for skin, a man will give everything he's got for his life. Uh, and the Lord said, he's in your hand, verse 6, but spare his life. So the Lord gave Satan permission to attack Job. Uh, but he said, don't touch his life, don't, don't kill him. Um, and most likely when he said these words, don't touch his life, save his life, Satan understood that at that time that it meant he couldn't touch Job personally, including physically his health. We know that he did that later on. We're not going to read that, but we understand that. Um, this is one of the few times in Scripture that we see where the devil is allowed to touch someone physically. And uh, there are other instances, two or three of them. I'll mention them momentarily. But uh, it's, it's really very few that we see this kind of attack where the devil is allowed to touch one of God's people physically uh, and, and to attack them that way. But as the destroyer, that is the target that he has in mind is your body. And there are some reasons why that is. First of all, he knows that your body is the temple of God. And remember, Satan hates God, and so he wants to get at God uh, any way he can. So put up 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19, Brother Terry. It says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you receive just a small, minuscule, tiniest portion, perhaps, but a portion of the being, the entity, the master of the universe who created it all. He comes to live on the inside of you. And so uh, Satan wants to get at your body if he can. He wants to slow you down if he can. Another reason why he wants to do that is because God uses your body to reveal himself to a lost world. That's so important that you keep that uppermost in your mind. You are the vessel of the Holy Ghost, 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So your body is the target of Satan. His weapon that he uses is suffering, some kind of suffering in your body physically. And here's one of the things that the devil uses as an ulterior motive. He believes that he can, and this is his goal in part, 
get some of God's children, whoever he can, and others who aren't God's children, to blame God for the suffering. And that's a problem because suffering isn't God's fault. And if you believe that, you're believing another lie from hell. Suffering is caused by sin. We are in this sinful world, and tornadoes happen, and people get killed from terrible wildfires in Hawaii, and, and uh, we get sick and go to the hospital, and people have heart attacks and die. Good people, Christian, apostolic people who love God. All of the bad stuff in the world can be relegated to sin and mankind's sinful nature. Uh, somebody said, well, why do I have to suffer for somebody else's sin? No, we're all in the same boat. Everybody's born in sin, shaping in iniquity. We all, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. And, and it's really not our fault anyway, except for what we literally do. The Bible says we're going to reap what we sow, okay? But as far as the condition of the world, all the negative stuff, the storms, the plagues, the terrible conditions that mankind has to live in, that is a result of Adam and Eve sin in the garden, turning over the authority of this world in a, in a particular way to God or to the devil. That's what Adam did. I want us to start right now and pray for Sister Norma Odom. She's been in severe pain for several days and uh, has, didn't get to make it to church for a while. Let's pray for her right now. God, in the name of Jesus, we know that you're a healer. We know that you are the God of all situations you made this body you provided for its healing when you died on calvary lord when you shed that blood it flowed out of the stripes that the soldier put on your back we pray that that would be efficacious right now for sister norma by your stripes we declare she is healed command the pain to leave her body in the name of jesus you are the healer you are our jehovah Rapha, the god who heals us of every infirmity thank you for sending your word right now and healing her in jesus name we pray Thank you for it, Jesus, in the name of the Lord. Praise God. So his weapon is suffering, and his purpose, the devil's purpose in attacking your body, is to make you impatient with God's will. Okay, with Eve, when the devil lies, he's, he's trying to prey on your ignorance of God's will, what you don't know about it. But with suffering, he wants to make you impatient. James 5 and 11 says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You've heard of the perseverance of Job, how he persevered. And you've seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful. That means compassionate and of tender mercy. He's merciful. The, the, the defense that we have against Satan's attack, uh, should he attack our body physically, is God's grace, the grace of God. And that, that really is our line of defense. Anytime Satan attacks us, whether it's a physical suffering or some other kind, 1 Peter 5, verse 10, But may the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, you say, Pastor, how do I do that? How do I use the grace of God in my defense against the enemy's attack. Number one, I want to give you three or four things. Number one, submit yourself to God, first of all. Say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Put up James 4 and 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I've talked to you several times about how I speak to the devil, just like Jesus did. Quote the Word of God, and I resist him. I even quote that verse many times. Secondly, you need to live a life of thanksgiving. Have a grateful heart. If you don't thank God every day, most of the day, you need to pray for that kind of lifestyle to take hold of you. If you pray for that, God will give it to you. I know. And that is the way God wants you to make your way through your every day, thanking him for everything. There is something about you having a thankful heart that gets a hold of God's heart and gets him to move in in your behalf. Ephesians 5, verse 20 says, giving thanks always. Look at these adverbs and adjectives. Always giving thanks 
for all things. You mean even the bad stuff? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Even the bad stuff. You thank God for it. And the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, just a little Greek study lesson here in 30 seconds. The word and, when it's in the King James English, uh, when you go back to the original Greek, sometimes uh, it's the word is. It's, it's translated in the New Testament uh, in English sometimes as and and sometimes even. So Trinitarians like to use verses like this to say, see, it says the Father and Jesus, the Father and the Son, but that word and is also translated even because it means even. Let's read it again. Giving thanks always for all things unto God, even the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're all one and the same. So thank God for all things. Another thing you need to do, and this will help in every area of your walk with the Lord in life, uh, spend time in the Word of God. We talked about that uh, much last week. Finally, number four, look for ways to glorify God in your life. Put up 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, please. He said unto me, Paul said, God said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness, your weakness. Paul says, Gladly, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my weaknesses, in my infirmities, when I'm going through stuff I don't want to go through. He said, I've learned that, that I'm going to welcome that because that's how I'm made stronger. That, that's when I'm made uh, more like Jesus wants me to be. That's when I get, uh, and because of that's when I get more blessings. How many want to get more blessings? If you want more blessings, you've got to go through more stuff, negative stuff. But if you do it the right way, God rewards you for it. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Uh, now, there were others that were attacked besides Job in their body. Uh, there was the du uh, deaf and dumb man in the New Testament that Jesus healed. Uh, there was the man in Luke that was bent over and disabled. There was the man who brought his son in Matthew 17 to Jesus and said, demons take him and throw him. Uh, in the water or try to throw him in the fire. Uh, and that was physical attacks from the devil against uh, the human body. So it, it happened in the Bible, but I want you to notice, and I'm going to mention this a little bit later, that, that it is much rarer than the other kind of attacks. Now, why the devil attacks the body? Uh, because it's God's temple. We read that. From 1 Corinthians 6, uh, remember Job. Now, if you remember the story, I'm not going to uh, tell it all because of time's sake. Most of you know it. He lost the fruit of his body, his children. That's the first thing he lost. The second thing he lost in this attack from the enemy was he lost the means to sustain his body, we would say, to pay his bills to live life because he lost all of his flocks and his herds, his sheep, and his wealth. The devil took that from him. The Lord allowed it to happen because the Lord was doing something in that. Uh, number three, he lost finally the health of his body through disease, the great boils. and In fact, he even had his wife tell him, you might as well curse God and die. You're so miserable. Uh, the reason the devil will attack our bodies because people see, well, they see how we react to negative circumstances. They know we're a Christian and know we proclaim to love God and know God and serve Him and we've given our life to Him. And then they see us go through bad circumstances. And they're looking at us. And God allows it so that we will shine as stars in the heavens by responding to that negative circumstance God's way, becoming a child of God, not with mumbling or grumbling or complaining, but with thankfulness, with, with, with uh, giving God praise through it. And people look at that, scratch their head and say, man, everybody else I know that's going through something like that, they're, uh, they may not be cursing God like Job's wife said, but that's their mentality. Uh, I wouldn't do that, they think to himself. 
So here, here, here's why that's important for you to respond the right way to this kind of devil's attack. People cannot see God, but they can see him working in your life. And they can see him working in your body. When you are healed, that gives glory to God. Uh, the uh, disciples asked Jesus, or the Pharisees asked Jesus' uh, disciples, uh, why was this man born blind? Did his parents sin? One of the blind men that Jesus healed, there were two or three. And Jesus finally gave him the answer. He said, no, this man was born blind so that God would receive glory. Now, you may think, well, that's awful cruel of God to make this man go through 30 years or whatever of having to live being blind just so Jesus could come along and heal him. Let me tell you something. You are never more valuable to God, and you're never more a child of his, loyal, faithful, and true, than when you properly let God use you to get glory for himself. And a lot of the time, that means you going through stuff that you and I would not choose to go through. Were we able to choose? But God chooses to let us go through negative things to reach people, to reach those that are lost, because that does something to the heart of some people who are tender, turn out being tender toward God and, and may even get saved when they see you going through something negative and responding uh, in a way that you still love God. He's still number one. You're not going to blame him. So your conduct in your body, how you behave in your body glorifies and exalts the Lord, and God uses your body as a vehicle to reveal himself to the world. Another reason the devil attacks the body is because it's God's temple. Another reason is because it's God's tool. Romans 6, verse 12, therefore do not let sin uh, reign in your mortal body. You should obey uh, not the lust of your body. Uh, next verse, do not present your members as instruments of righteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. You've been risen from the dead spiritually, my friend, when you get born again, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Amen. Let the Lord use your body to teach sinners that living for him is really the way to go. Praise God. Paul said, finally, the devil attacks the body because it's God's testing ground. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. I discipline uh, or keep under my body. He meant subject it to the Lord, the spirit of the Lord. I discipline it less by any means. When I've preached to others, I myself should become a castaway, another version says, or disqualified. Praise God. So uh, we want to be sure and let God have his way. Uh, God wants to use you. He really does. God wants to use you to reflect him. He wants you to be like a mirror in this world, reflecting him to people all around you. God used Noah's ability to build an ark. Now, nobody else but he and his three sons and their wives and his wife, that's eight people total, nobody else but those eight were saved. But that generation is going to stand before God on judgment day, and they will not be able to say, you didn't tell us, because God built an ark in front of all of the civilized then known world for a testimony. God used a man by the name of Bezalel, you can read about him in Exodus 36 and all of that writing about how God told Moses, I want you to build me a tabernacle. It's going to take all the skilled men and women in Israel to, to make the furniture and to make the, the skins and to go hunt for them and then to, to tan them and then the women to sew the fabric and, and everything and the craftsmen to create the gold and, and the brass uh, instruments 
of the tabernacle. And so God used that man, the Bible says specifically, that there's not many people that are mentioned by name in that passage, in that story. Uh, God used the disciples' hands to distribute the loaves and fish that day he fed the 5,000 multitude. God uses our lips and our tongue to preach and teach the word of God. And so the devil, that's one of the reasons he attacks our body, is to put a hindrance on that and to hinder God's work by putting these things out of commission. So never underestimate the importance of your body. Never minimize taking care of your body. Paul said that Romans 6, did we read that already? Uh, verse 12, okay, we already read that. Let me just say one more statement and I'll get off of this. The, the person who's careless about their health doesn't try to stay healthy. A uh, person who's careless about their personal safety, you're just opening the door for the devil. Don't let the, the, the devil do that. Uh, the body is God's treasury. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We read that, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. God put his best in you. God's invested. His only investment in this world is in his church. God has not invested anything else. He lived and then bled and died. He bought and paid for with his own blood our salvation, and we are the one thing that, that we're the only thing in this universe that that uh, can be said of. God has purchased us, and He's invested a lot in us, and we've got to guard His treasure. That's why He puts Himself in us. And anything in life that keeps you from doing your best, you should abandon. That's why. Uh, God wants you to have the Holy Ghost and let the Holy Ghost lead you and guide you in how to live. Now, we have pastors and teachers to help us understand the principles of the Word of God, but God would much rather you do something that pleases Him, not because the pastor said so, but because you want to love Him and please Him. Okay, number three, third person the devil got personally involved was none other than the man after God's own heart, King David. And he came to David as a ruler. First Chronicles 21, verse 1. Now Satan stood up against Israel. Actually, it was not just David. David was the king, so he represented all of God's people, the whole nation of Israel. That was really the brunt of the attack and the object of the devil's attack. He stood up against Israel and moved David to uh, provoke David to number Israel. David said to Joab, the rulers of the people, Joab was the uh, commanding general of David's army, the Israeli army. He said to Joab and the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan. That's from the very top of Israel, the north, to uh, the bottom. Uh, and bring the number of them that I may know it. Joab answered. He tried to talk David out of it. May the Lord make his people a hundred times more in number than they are. But my Lord the king, are they not all my Lord's servants? Why then does my Lord require this thing? Why will he be a cause of trespass? Uh, the word actually can be translated as guilt to Israel. Nevertheless, the king's world prevailed prevailed against Joab, whereab Joab departed. He did what David wanted him to do. He went throughout all Israel and numbered not the entire population. This wasn't a general population census. And uh, uh, Bible scholars tell us that what David actually wanted was a numbering of his armies, how many fighting men he had. And when you know that fact, then you begin to understand why God didn't want it done. David did it, Satan put it in his heart to do it because David got to thinking, well, I wonder how many armies I've got. And from that, once he got the answer to that, he could figure out, 
what size armies he could go up against from enemy nations and uh, how he could fare. And he was getting to the point where he was depending on flesh, himself and his army rather than God. That's why God got angry at it. And that's why Joab knew that. He was wise enough to know that and tried to talk King David out of it. And it says God was displeased with this thing. Uh, therefore, he smote Israel. So David said to God, I have sinned greatly because I have done this thing. Now I pray, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. Now, Satan's target in David in this occurrence, as it is in your life and mine, when he attacks this way, is your will. God, uh, Satan attacks your will. And, and that's very important. You need to understand how important your will is. God gave you uh, a will, a power to choose. Your will determines your character. Your will uh, determines your ability to choose. And so you need to be careful and follow the will of God in how you let your heart uh, be structured. The devil doesn't mind you having uh, religion, uh, an intellectual religion, as long as it doesn't change your life. The devil doesn't mind millions and millions of people in this world who go to church faithfully every Sunday because it hadn't changed their life. That's why the devil doesn't mind it. But your will determines your character and your choices. I want us to look at, uh, I've alluded to this scripture several times over the last few months, where Satan, uh, this is one of the two places it talks about Satan's rebellion in heaven. Okay, this one, there's one in Ezekiel, and this one is in Isaiah. Let's, let's read just a couple of verses. Verse 14 or chapter 14, verse 12. These are the five I wills of the devil when he rebelled against God in heaven. This is what he was thinking. The Lord gives us a look into Satan's mind at that moment. He said, I will ascend into heaven. Or how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Yeah, we'll go, go back and read that one. No, we need 12 first. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Verse 13, for thou hast said in thy heart, thy heart, Satan said five things. Number one, I will ascend into heaven. I want to get up to where God is, or get up to his level. Number two, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Number three, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation that represents the dwelling place of God, where God is, in the sides of the north. And then I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Here's the last one, and the most cutting and the most crucial, and it was the most damning to Satan for thinking this. He said, I will be like God, the most high. Uh, Satan's weapon was his Achilles heel, his weakness, it is pride. That's what he comes against us for. What is the answer for pride? What is uh, the opposite of pride? Instead of prideful, we should be humble. Put up 1 Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Satan's purpose in attacking you to try to use your self-sin uh, nature to uh, raise up in pride, his uh, purpose is, again, it has to do with the will of God, is to make you to become independent of God's will. In other words, you do what you want to do instead of what God wants you to do, especially when the two are different. He wants you to do what you want to do. Now, here's what the devil does. He's so subtle, uh, 
He's so deceiving. He's so conniving. Just as when he attacked Eve with lies, he mixed truth with lies so that Eve would not be as um, defensive and on guard against him. He'll do that with you and I. Here, when he attacks with pride and he, he wants you to get out of the will of God, he wants you to get to thinking that you know better than God when you, your flesh wants to do something different than what God wants you to do. In other words, he makes you think you can pick and choose. You can pick and choose from what God has said, from God's word, from God's law. Uh, he wants to make you independent of God's will. 1 John 2, verse 15, do, do not love the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. For the world passeth away, but the lust of it, and the lust of it thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let me read that again. Would you look on the screen as I read it? But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What is your defense against uh, the devil's attack with your pride and your will? It is the Holy Ghost. It's the Spirit of God. Put up Philippians 2, verse 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Before you put the next verse up, uh, I need to talk about this. This does not mean that you can be saved any way you want to. doesn't mean you can come up with your own plan of salvation. doesn't mean you can uh, work out how you want to be saved. Only God can tell you how to be saved. So you have to go to a, a deeper word study of the original uh, languages and some of the other versions do that. I'll just tell you how the Amplified does it. It gets to the original meaning. It says that phrase, work out your own salvation, literally means to carry out the goal. God tells you how to be saved. You have to obey God's plan. And Paul here simply says, do that completely, exhaustively, to the letter, exactly the way God says, carry it out to the goal. It also says fully complete. Don't leave anything short. Do everything God tells you to do. Amen. It's really easy to live for God. You just have to give him everything. Surrender all. Okay, I'm going to go real fast through number four. Uh, it is Joshua, the priest, that Satan came to, Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1. Isaiah, or Zechariah, the prophet, is writing. He says, he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him or oppose him. And so then, as in Job's case, the devil and God have a conversation. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Verse 3, now Joshua was clothed with, watch this, filthy garments. Now, apparently there was an angel in attendance when the high priest would do the ceremonies of the tabernacle. Sacrifice the animal, drain its blood, take it into uh, the holy place, and then into the holy of holies. And God told Moses when he set this whole thing up, the tabernacle plan of worship, he said, I want this whole thing done exactly the way I'm going to tell you to do it. From how you make the furniture, what you make, the exact dimensions, the elements and materials it's made out of, what the priest is supposed to do in sacrificing the animal, what's he supposed to, what he's supposed to do with the blood, and how he's dressed. He told Moses, the priest's garments have to be exactly like this. And then he gave him the pattern and exact instructions for the clothes the high priest, God wanted him to wear when he did the service in the tabernacle. This man 
apparently was wearing the wrong outfit. He's wearing the wrong clothes. Wasn't what God had told his people through Moses that he wanted the high priest to wear. So, what that did was it opened up that man to the attack of Satan in his mind, particularly to his conscience. He was standing before the angel, verse 4. Then God answered and spake unto those that stood before him, Take away the filthy garments from him, and to him, to Joshua himself, he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass, or I have taken your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with a change of raiment. We're going to put the right clothes back on you. And, uh, and I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. They put a turban on his head. They put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by, and the angel admonished Joshua the priest, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, if thou wilt walk in my ways, and if thou wilt keep my charge, then, in other words, do this right, the way you're supposed to do it, then thou shalt also judge my house. You'll be uh, over my courts. You'll get to serve, continue to serve as priest uh, before my people, and I'll give you places to walk among these that stand by. Now, Satan's target in this case, and is in our case many times, is your heart and your conscience. His priesthood, the Bible says, it uses that word in the King James, filthy. He was dressed in a way that he shouldn't have been. And so he had a smitten conscience. Did you know that Satan will play on your mind and put thoughts on your heart, on your mind of guilt? If you open the door to that, and if you're prone to that, uh, you see, the devil will use anything he can to attack you if he thinks it'll work. He'll use any of these four methods. And some people, this works. He condemns them, makes them feel guilty, uh, maybe by the past, things, actions in the past, or whatever he can come up with. Um, here's what the devil does. He'll tell you, so, so you're a Christian. You're lo look what you've done. If the church knew, they would throw you out. Or he'll say something uh, to you like, uh, before the sin, he'll say, oh, you'll, you'll get away with it. And then he turns around after you do it, the sin, and says, wow, you'll never get away with that. Look what you've done. The devil really is nasty. I mean, he's, he's something else. So uh, he uses guilt as opposed to uh, God doesn't condone our sin, but God doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. Guilt comes from the devil. Conviction comes from God most of the time. Most of the time, they feel the same way to our human emotion. So, uh, here's how you can tell the difference. You need to understand this so that you don't open the door for the devil to do a number on you. When the Holy Ghost convicts, it uses the Word of God in love to draw you to repentance. That's why you should never disdain or pull back from a preacher or a teacher or anybody that's telling you the Word of God. If you feel bad or any kind of negative feelings or thoughts, when someone presents the Word of God to you, then you need to recognize that's your flesh rising up against God's love that He's giving to you and showing you by speaking to you His Word, trying to draw you to Him. But when the devil accuses you, it is to condemn you and make you feel defeated. And what he wants it to do is to lead you into uh, despair and, and spiritual paralysis, to freeze you up and keep you from your uh, progress in walking with God and pull you away from God. Think God doesn't love me anymore. 
The church doesn't love me anymore. Whatever thought comes into your mind that the devil thinks will work, remember, if it's negative, it's from the devil. All right, let's wrap this up. What is our, uh, what, what's the purpose? Well, the accusation that the devil uses is, or the weapon that the devil uses is accusation. Revelation 12 and 10 says he is the accuser of our brethren. And Revelation 12 talks about the future when he's going to be cast down, which accuse them before our God, the accuser of our brethren. His purpose is to bring indictment by God's will. He literally reminds you, you're out of the will of God. Now, the, the Lord will do the same thing through his word. Somebody or something presenting his word to you, he'll remind you, you're out of my will. But his purpose is because he loves you, is to bring you back into his will. But the devil will remind you you're out of the will of God so that you will feel guilty and go further away from God. The devil wants you to focus on yourself and the sin that you did, but God wants you to focus on the Savior who wants to forgive you if you repent. The Bible says repentance is a gift from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's go real fast, brother. I'm not going to stop and talk. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was indicted of many, so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him, for this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things, to whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. One more verse. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. How? When we don't forgive others and when we don't seek forgiveness from God. For we are not ignorant of his, and we could say the word, strategy. Let's stand together. Your defense is the intercession of Christ. I won't have Terry put up the verse, but the Bible says that Christ uh, ever standeth to make intercession for us. John said in 1 John 2, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. That means mediator or intercessor, Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful how much God loves us? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it great? Now, again, the devil will use any of these four methods he can. He'll try them all. I'm going to tell you this. For most of us, we don't have to walk with God very long before the devil knows. I would say for almost all of us here tonight, the devil already knows which of these four or maybe a combination of two or three. He knows what our weakness is, and he knows which one works best on us. Like a boxer in the boxing ring, once he lands a good punch, on a certain place, say on his opponent's face, and a cut appears and blood starts coming out of that, that becomes a weak spot, and that boxer smells blood, literally, or, or, or uh, allegorically, and he'll begin to pound that same place, that weak spot. That's just like the devil. If he finds your weak spot, and by now he probably has found it for all of us, that's what he goes after time after time again because he knows that's your weak spot. And that is his best chance to trip you up and defeat you. I want us to determine before we walk out of this building tonight that we're going to do our very best to fight the good fight of faith. Know what's in this book. Pray every day, God, let me use the, the, the weapons of my spiritual warfare exactly the way you meant to when you gave them to your church and let me walk in victory. And when I start straying off the path that will lead to places other than me walking victoriously, 
you snap my head around and make me realize it right quick and get me back on the straight and narrow. Praise God. Pray that prayer with me right now. God, we want to be, as your word says, knowledgeable of the devices and the wiles and the tricks of our enemy. You've already won the war. You defeated him once and for all at Calvary. When you walked out of that tomb alive forevermore with the, the keys of death, hell and the grave in your hand because you'd been there to hell and took them from him in front of all of his warriors. So you've already done that. But there are still battles for us to fight. And God, we could lose a particular battle and, and lose the war for our own sake. Don't let that happen with anyone here tonight, with anyone that has ever or ever will call this their home church, anyone watching online, any of our family members. I'm asking you, we're asking you together tonight, do whatever it takes in our lives to make us victorious. Because at the end of this life, nothing else will matter. But whether we made it or not, whether we walk with you on the streets of gold forever and ever, or burn forever in the devil's place of destination forever in hell's flames. God, give us the victory no matter what it costs. We give you permission tonight to do that. Not my will, but your will be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name above every name. God, make me fall in love with you and with your will and seek your will the rest of my life here on earth that I might live in your will in eternity. In Jesus' name. Oh, somebody clap your hands for the Lord tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I feel victory in the Spirit right now. Victory in the Holy Ghost. Let's thank God for it. Hallelujah. With the sound of our hands clapping, Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your gift of eternal life. The salvation that you purchased in our place, dying. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise God. Praise God. Well, God bless you tonight. Greet one another before you go and say, isn't this great being a part of God's grace? Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.